This is why you need Janine up here with you to do announcements. She evens you out a little bit, and she has apparently a better memory than you. Um, open your Bibles to the book of, wait. <laughs> oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, no, I'm just joking. I'm just giving him a hard time. Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have your Bibles, open up your smartphone Bible app and go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. A um, couple quick things before we get into the God's Word today. Uh, two things, actually, I'll share. Um, next week, we're going to be voting at the partnership meeting after service, so if you're a partner, stay after. If you're not a partner, uh, you're still welcome to come to that. You know, we're not going to, like, guard the doors. Um, but the voting portion is just for the partners, and we're voting on a couple things. The one thing is uh, re-electing elders, so the elders get re-elected every couple years. So the elders that are up for election this year are Brian Kubinek and Jesse Blecking. And so we're going to be voting on them next week. And like we always say, um, with these two guys that are up for election, um, we try to announce it ahead of time. So if for any reason anybody thinks that they shouldn't be an elder, they can either email me, call me, or uh, let me know after service. And then um, So that way all that business is done ahead of time. Does that make sense? So really we don't open up the floor at the partnership meeting for those kinds of discussions because we give you guys time a week beforehand to do that. So, Brian Kubinek, Jesse Blecking, they've been serving as elders for a while now. Jesse's been on for two years. Both awesome men of God, and I believe God has hand on these guys' life to continue serving the next two years at J-Road. So, but if, uh, you can always let me know anything, if there's any concerns with that, uh, let me know ahead of time. Um, second thing, um, you guys know the last two Sundays, if you were here, we've had uh, Ashley Schley lead worship. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's in the back there. If you haven't met Ashley and Joel, they're great people. Um, uh, so Ashley, we've had her lead the last two weeks, and those are the first two Sundays she's been at J-Road. Um, we're praying and asking God for our next worship leader here at J-Road, and so she's in that process right now, and so she might be leading some Sundays. She might be just here visiting with people. Um, she, at some point, will have her in with an interview with the elders. So I just want to be transparent and open about that process so you weren't like, oh, she was leading two weeks. Why isn't she leading this week? Um, she's through that process, but again, we're taking the process slow um, for good reason. So, we, so, so she and her husband, Joel, feel discernment from God, and we feel discernment as God as well, right? Because worship leaders, in our opinion, is a long-term decision. And really, they, it's a very important role here at J-Road to lead our people into worship every Sunday and to shepherd our flock during the week as well. So if you haven't met Joel and Ashley, they're back there, awesome people. They were at our house for Friday for dinner. We had an awesome time getting to know them. So I'm sure you'll love them as well. So that's the process. You'll see her up here leading at some point as well. Okay? Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, we're done with the book of Romans. So last week was the final book of Romans. We're, talking, we're praying about what our next sermon series is. Um, and today we're just doing a kind of like intermediary sermon. Because every time in January we usually do a sermon on giving. Um, and a couple times a year we do a sermon on giving, um, not just so our tithes increase, but because we believe money is so connected to our hearts, it's unreal. You know, even Jesus said, you, you know, you can't serve both God and money, you know, because you, a man can't have two masters. And so what he's saying is, is that money is always in competition for our hearts. Money and wealth or is always in competition for our hearts and always trying to draw us away from God. Um, money steals our devotion, and it's very important. And so that's why we talk about giving. We talk about giving um, always. 
we are still preaching our the way through this passage, or we're going to preach through our passage. So this isn't a topical sermon. It's still expository in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So we're going to read this passage. But in this passage, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church in a letter. And to lead up to it, he's talking to them because they're going to take a collection. And they're taking an offering for God's work. And so Paul is giving instructions about giving. And so he's saying, hey, when we come, we're going to take an offering. And this is the instructions of how we give offerings. And so the instructions for the Corinthian church is the same for us about how we give offerings too. And as you guys know, we have at J-Road, there's a, we have two ways you can give. You can give online or you can give in the box in the back. You can give with cash or check, credit card. I mean, there's all different ways we do offering here at J-Road. And for them, you know, they did a similar collection. And that's kind of what Paul is talking about today. And so he starts out by saying that, you know, before we get to verse 6, he starts out by saying that you guys promised this gift, and now we're going to come and collect it. And so here's instructions about how you are to give. And so it would be like we here at J-Road said, hey, next Sunday, you know, we're going to do offering here once a month at J-Road. Next Sunday, we're going to do offering. So everybody come ready to give. Okay, that's kind of the context it is. And so when next Sunday comes, sorry, Mikey, I'm going to screw up the live stream a little bit. <laughs> and so uh, if it's like, hey, next Sunday, we're going to pass this bucket around, and you all have to give, all right? And you online have to give as well, and we're going to do a collection. And before the collection happens of finances for God's work, I'm going to give you guys this instruction. And that's kind of where we end up in verse 6, right? And so he's like, how to give, why to give, and all that things. He gives that reason to his people. And so that's kind of the, the context. I'll leave my bucket up here in case I use this. So after he says we're going to be doing a collection, and I want you guys to be ready to give your gold, silver, credit cards, cash, you know, jewelry, stocks, Bitcoin, if you're into that sort of thing, we're going to be doing this collection. <laughs> Brian, you could tie to your Bitcoin at some point. We'll do that at some point. Um, but I want your hearts to be in the right place before we take this collection. And we here at J-Road, we take a collection every week. Every Sunday, we, we take a collection. Um, we don't pass a bucket around. We do it in the back, or you can do it online. But really, this instructions is for us all the time to prepare our hearts to give. And so here's what Paul says in verse—I'm uh, going to start off in verse 6, but it's, this is verse 6 through 11. Um, at the verse 6 will be up here, but before we get into that, I'm going to read the whole passage because it's really short today. It says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay, and that's kind of our, our passage for this morning. And then it, actually it goes on to this. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And, though, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me pray. God, as we go into this message about giving, we go into it with the heart, knowing that you are a giver, knowing that we can't outgive you, God, that you are the chief giver. 
I mean, you gave your one and only son so that we could have our sins forgiven and, and be in heaven with you. So you held nothing back, God. And so help us as a people break the power of money in our lives and be generous with all that you have given us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? All right. So the title of this sermon, I think is the first slide, is You Can't Outgive God. You can't outgive God. Many of you have heard that before. Um, and the first verse is this, in verse 6. It says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Do you guys understand what sowing and reaping means? I know it's kind of an old school term, but sowing means planting. Like when you sow seed, you scatter seed, you plant seed in the ground, and so sowing is planting, and reaping is harvesting, right? Like farmers, when they're getting ready to plant corn, they reap, or, you know, they sow the corn seed in the ground, and then four or five months later, they reap the harvest of the corn crop that they make. And people knew this sowing and reaping. We don't, it's not usually in our language, but it's, it's, but Paul knew what they meant. He said, if you, if you uh, sow sparingly, you also reap sparingly. So it's a, a thing about seeds. And it's really obvious, right? If each of you have a barrel of seed to plant, and we are all going to plant a crop of corn, and if Miles plants half of his barrel of seed, you know how much corn he's going to reap? About half of what was intended, what was he was given. Now, if somebody else like Dave plants his whole entire barrel, he'll reap a lot more. So he's saying, if you plant a little bit, you'll reap a little bit. If you plant a lot, you'll reap a lot. In, in a way, he's talking about giving, because this whole passage is about giving and the church giving generously. So he's saying, if you give a little bit, it'll, you will get back a little bit. If you give a lot, you'll be given back a lot. And so you'll be given back in the measure that you give. And he's talking about this. He's like, you're planting seeds when you give. You should see it as planting seeds. And so your seed gift will return to you a crop. And he's saying that's the way that we should view giving is planting. You see, farmers, when they plant seeds, they don't look at it like, oh, no, I'm losing the seed. This stinks. I, I, I'm losing all my seed. It's like, no, they see their seed planting as an investment. You have to lose the seed in order to gain the crop, right? You're not losing it. Like, farmers aren't remorseful that they wasted all their seed in, you know, May when they plant or June. They're not remorseful that they wasted all the seed. They're saying that I'm putting the seed in the ground because I'm going to return back an investment, a return on my investment in the form of a crop. And so that's how Paul uses this analogy, how God wants us to look at our giving. And so when you give to charity, when you give to church, when you give to people in need, you must not think of it as I'm losing money. We must not think of it. We must look at it like we are planting a seed for a harvest that we will reap one day. Not to give out a selfish game, but to give in hopeful expectation that this is an investment. This is an investment. And that's where we get the term seed gift. You know, like, you ever heard the term seed gift? And so when you give, later there will be a harvest, and it will return to you. And so it says if you give sparingly, you'll, you'll be blessed sparingly. If you give abundantly, God will bless you abundantly. And that's kind of what we see here in this verse, and in other verses as well. 
And from God's word, you know, you might be thinking, well, how's God going to bless me if I give, and how does he return this harvest? Really, in God's word, we see that God blesses us in two ways through our giving. We see that he blesses us materially and um, spiritually. And so the first way he blesses us materially, and it says, Jesus says this in Luke 6. He's speaking specifically of giving finances when Jesus is talking here. It says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And so this passage, he's using this illustration of giving in the same way as like grain. When, they, when you give like grain in a basket, if you heap in all the grain and give it to somebody, that's good. But you know what happens when you put the grain in the basket and you shake it really good and you press it down? Then that means there's a whole lot more grain in the basket than there was to start with. That's where he gets it shaken together, pressed down. So not only God will give it back shaken together and pressed down in the basket, but actually it'll be flowing over the basket all into your lap. And that's this thing is God saying, don't you trust me as the one who's going to ultimately provide for you? Don't you trust me in that way? That I could give back tenfold what you even thought about giving? I could bless you in that way? So there is a material blessing that comes from our giving, and I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, it's a financial blessing. And some people sitting here today was like, whoa, this message just took a weird turn. Aren't you afraid that some people are going to think this? Hey, I'm just going to like get a scheme together, right? I'm just going to give, and God's just going to bless me. Is that what you're saying is going to happen? Is like, if I give, God's going to like give back? And like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you give, God's going to give you back. It says there in Scripture and all throughout. And the only time God ever says, test me, is with our finances. In Malachi 3, God says, test me and see that I won't open up the storehouses of heaven and pour out blessings to you. He's saying, test me. Test me. And that's why we say in other times here at J-Road, when you think about what you want to give for this year and what you want to give on a regular basis or how much you want to tithe off your income, is like, stretch yourself and test the Lord and see that he doesn't bless you in crazy ways. And I wish I would have done homework and got people to share testimonies, but if you look around here to the partners of J-Road, there is testimony of how God's blessed people that have trusted him with their finances. I have one story that I'll share with you. Um, I think it was two years ago, we went to our district conference with our denomination, and there is a, in, in, in our district conference, all those pastors go, it's kind of boring. Sorry if anybody's watching from the district, but it's kind of boring, but there is some good stuff there. But when we were there, this guy was talking about giving to a bunch of pastors, okay? And so, as you guys know, we've talked about this. When I got, when I got saved, I started giving, and then when I became a pastor, I thought it was weird to give. And so I asked my pastor, <laughs> and I'm like, do, when I started out, I was 21 years old, and I'm like, do pastors tithe? I mean, that's really weird. Like, the church gives me money, and then I put it right back. Like, why don't they just, you know, cut my pay by 10%? We'll just call it even. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I get paid off of the tithes. You know what I mean? A set amount in our budget. And so I'm like, do pastors tithe? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, it's showing, it's leading with faithfulness. So whatever salary the church determines I should get, you know, my wife and I have decided on a percentage that we give back to the church. And it's different. Like, I don't assume what other pastors or whatever staff members give back, and no do I look or care. It's between them and the Lord, right? So we were at this conference, and, you know, to pastors, and they said, 
this guy said, I don't know how he started talking about it, but he said, I give back to the Lord, and I'm like, so do I, you know, my income, you know, my paycheck, I give back, you know, whatever, 10%, whatever it was at that time. And um, I'm like, he said, I give back on everything that comes from the Lord. And I'm like, so do I. And he's like, no, no. He said, I give back on everything. He's like, when I get a birthday card from my grandma with 100 bucks in it, I give $10 back to the Lord. And I'm like, okay, that's, I, I've never done that, but that sounds cool. And he's like, when I get back, like, a random check or when I get a Christmas gift, when I get a bonus from anything, when I get this, like, this bank made an error and you have $500 out of the blue, I give that all back to God. And, he, and the reason he explained why is he said, because everything we have comes from God. And if you watch the live stream this week on Wednesday, we shared those verses that everything we have is provided to us by God. So it's such a, he's saying, it's such a narrow mind to think only our paycheck is from God and all these other blessings are from other people. You know what I mean? It's all from God. He directs it to us. And so I'm like, God, are, are you really going to make me start tithing on my Christmas gifts I get from my grandma and my mom and dad? And, and I felt between me and the Lord, that's what I should do. And so since a year or, or two years since then, uh, I think last year we started to do that off of everything, like birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, tax returns, stimulus checks. Like everything we have, we view as it's a gift from God, and we give a portion back to God, just as if it was like our paycheck. You know what I mean? And it was weird. Like I've been, I've been tracking it and testing it. And th like last year I started doing it, and it was good. I mean, whatever. If we get, you know, I have some generous parents and grandparents, but if we get like 500 bucks or 700 bucks, I give ultimately, you know, 70 back to the church. And this year, since over last year, randomly, we got like eight times the amount of money we got the previous year. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen for you, but we were like testing the Lord with this. You know what I mean? Like we tried the Lord with this. And we got back like, like weird stuff. Like people in the church gave us money that we never expected. And, like, never got back. And then family members blessed us more this year than ever before. And so we were like, all right, we were faithful then, and we'll be faithful now. If we got $500 last year and we got 2000 this year, we're going to give 200 back to the Lord. And so everything does. And we try to learn this. And I'll say this. Nobody has ever gone broke from giving too much because I believe the Lord protects them. I saw in my 13 years of ministry people go broke because they're addicted to drugs. I've seen people squander inheritance because they were addicted to gambling or drugs or other things. I've never heard somebody say, hey, I started tithing and we lost our house because of it. And quite the opposite, we hear testimonies of how God provides in different ways. And we think about our money differently. We spend less frivolously. We, we blow it less than we used to because we trust that every dollar we have is from the Lord. And so to give it back, we trust that he'll take care of us. So the first blessing is materially. And the second is spiritually. The second is spiritually. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, thie where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's saying when you give, when you do a good deed, when you share the gospel, when you tithe, you're actually storing up treasures in heaven, not on earth. And you're storing up, like, treasures for what is to come, not what we have. And I'll share with you a quote 
by a missionary named James Elliott. And if you're familiar with the story of James Elliott, he was killed while he was serving in Ecuador, sharing the gospel to the tribes in Ecuador. James Elliott says this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's what Jesus is talking about when it talks about those treasures in heaven. He's saying, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because guess what? We're only going to live to be about 100. And then you're going to leave this earth buck naked without anything. And the hearse ain't going to carry a U-Haul behind it, right? And so if your only goal in this life is to be the richest person in the cemetery, you're losing. And you have a very narrow mind of what this eternity is going to look like. Our goal should be much bigger than being the richest person in the cemetery. For us rich folks, we keep that in our mind. For us people that are struggling financially, keep that in mind. Building up treasures. I don't know what the treasures in heaven is going to look like. I don't know if I'm going to get up there and I'm going to have a Lamborghini and, you know, somebody else is going to have a Ford Taurus because they, didn't get, like, they weren't as faithful to the Lord. I don't know. But I know that there is <laughs> treasures in heaven. And I know God blesses us. And so when we give, when we share the gospel, when we help somebody in need, we're storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And so that's why he's saying, don't like tell other people about it. Don't brag about it, because if you do, you'll get your reward here on earth. But if you keep it between you and the Lord, you'll store up that reward for God in heaven. That's why we don't brag our giving. That's why I don't look at your guys' giving. That's why when you're about to throw 100 in the tithe box, you don't do that snap, snap, so the whole church can see, you know. <laughs> snap, snap, you know. Look what I'm giving today. Like, we don't do that. Um, because it's between us and the Lord. But God blesses us materially and spiritually. You see, giving is a step of faith. And when you give, you're putting your trust in God. What you're saying is, I believe the Bible is true. And I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And I don't know about you, but the first time, for those of you who give regularly, the first time you gave, it was hard. The first time I gave and the first time I tithed, it was hard. Because I wasn't used to it. And that's why the earlier you learn to tithe, the better. Right? When I started tithing, I lived at home in my mom's basement, basically. I had no bills except for a Nextel phone. And I, and I tithed. Yeah, like the Nextel phone, yeah. <laughs> so it was very easy. You know, I made 600 bucks at my job, and I gave 60 bucks back to the Lord. It's much harder for somebody who makes $20,000 a month, you know what I mean, to give two grand back to the Lord. It's hard, and it, it, it's hard to do that. And what we do is, when I remember when I first started tithing, it was like part of my pride was being ripped away. Part of my heart was being ripped away because I know this devotion to money was really becoming real. I knew that my faith in God was really becoming real when I was giving hundreds of dollars to the church. And I'm like, hey, I was cool, get, I was cool serving. I was cool doing this stuff. But now this is like, this is affecting my bottom line, right? Like, and it really stretches our faith. And what you are saying when you give, if you're worried, um, you are saying that I trust that God's going to take care of me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not losing this money, and I'm trusting God will take care of me. And what I've always said here, too, at J-Road, nobody should ever not give anything. We should all give something. If you are struggling financially, give a dollar a month. That's faithful. That's more faithful than giving nothing. Because then we could say before the Lord that I'm a giver, Right? I'm a giver. And so we could say that, and we could, we could plant those seeds. 
And if you say, I can't give, I can't do it, what you are saying is, I don't believe God will take care of me. I don't believe the God who made the sun with his words and the God that set the stars in the sky and the God that knitted me together in my mother's womb and is in charge of everything, I don't believe he'll supply my needs. Like, that's what we're saying if we're saying I can't give it all. So it pushes us to say, man, this God thing is real. If you struggle with praying, give 10% of your money away to the Lord and see how much you pray. Because the Bible says, where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. And so if you're you're giving your treasures to the Lord's work or to charity or to something, your heart's going to be on the things of God. Right? If you're betting 200 bucks on, like, football games for the Packers to win, your heart's going to be on that game, and your heart's going to be on this thing. You know what I mean? Like, we got to put our heart, we got to put our money where we want our heart to be, and I want my heart to be with the Lord and the Lord's work. So he goes on to continue. That was verse 6. Verse 7, Paul goes on to teach on generosity. He says this. Verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a... Yeah. God loves a cheerful giver, right? Like, are you cheerful to give? Are you happy to give? Or are you giving begrudgingly or angrily? Has a pastor twisted your arm and say, hey, dude, I've been looking at the giving records. Your butt hasn't given once. Come on, you need to give. Like, that would be compulsionary giving because the pastor or the priest made me give. God doesn't want you to give for those reasons. So in verse 7, as we break it down, there's three nuggets of truth that I got from verse 7. The three things are this. God speaks to, um, the first is the call to give. Um, He speaks to, like, if you should give or not and the call to give. And the answer is, each and every one of you should give. That goes back to if only you can give a quarter a month or a dollar a month, do that. Do that. So each of you should give. It says, you know, each of you should give what God, what you have decided in your heart to give. Each man, woman, and child should give, not because you're being manipulated, because God wants us to. This is a command. So there is a strict command to give. The amount is up to you. The amount is up to you to decide what you want to give. You know, Nicole and I teach our children to give because, again, they get money from grandma and grandpa. The kids make it rain. Their college fund looks better than mine ever did, even when I was a senior in high school. Because when they get money from family for birthdays and Easter and Valentine's Day and President's Day, my kids get money for things like this, right? They're like, just random holidays. And they're like, sweet! I got 30 bucks from grandpa for Valentine's Day. And I'm like, all right, what are you going to do with that? You know what my kids would want to do with that? Just go to Target and blow it on a toy that's going to break in two days. Right? That little fishing game where the fish twirl around in a circle and you put the little, like, plastic fish in its mouth, you pull it out. It's like, oh, this game's so fun. And it's in the trash in a day. That's where that 30 bucks is going to go. Which, it's okay. Adults, you spend your money on trash, too. That's okay. But I teach my kids the uh, 10-10-80 plan, right? Where it's you tithe 10, you save 10, and you could live on the other 80%. Um, for my kids, it's more like 10, 50, 40. 
Like, save 50% because all you're going to buy right now is junk, and I don't want you to buy junk. Um, but we teach them to tithe. And I don't teach my three boys to tithe because the church really needs their, like, eight bucks for the year. I really don't care about that. But I care about how my kids view money. I don't want my kids to be greedy. I don't want my kids to be married to money. I don't want my kids to sacrifice their marriages for money. I don't want my kids to sacrifice their life in a job they hate for money. Right? I want that power to be broken and not be greedy and just hold on to money their whole lives. Because I've seen it. I've seen it destroy people's lives. I've seen people going broke and bankrupt trying to just get more money. I've seen people out in Wesco scratching off $40 lotto tickets for the hope that they can get wealth, not knowing that the Lord knows if they got that million dollars, it would be gone in a year. Right? And so it's like, why, why is that? Kids in tatters and their parents are getting a rack of, of scratch-offs, trying to scratch off, trying to become millionaires. It's because they're in love with money. And they're greedy. And it has a hold of their heart. And I don't want that to be my kids. I want them to be in love with God, not money. And so that's why I teach my kids to tithe. And it's not if, it's you have to tithe. My kids give out of compulsion right now. <laughs> It'll be their decision at one day. But right now, we teach them to give out of habit. So the first is the call to give. We're all supposed to give. And now let's say we go back to that scenario where we're taking a big collection and you're saying, how much should I give? Um, the second part of this verse is, talks about the amount to give. Each of you should decide in your own heart the amount to give. So I really shouldn't say you guys should give $10 or $100 or 5% or 10%. That's really not my place to get saved for you guys what to give. You guys all have the Holy Spirit living within you. You can decide what you want to give in your heart or what you feel God's leading you to give. So you decide what to give. And that's really how we do things at J-Road. You decide what to give. But remember, the first part of the verse says, if you give sparingly, you'll get sparingly. If you give abundantly, you'll get abundantly. So decide how much you want to be blessed. Decide how much you want your faith to grow. Decide these things for yourself. And trust in the Lord with that. And so we don't tell people exactly what to give. Deciding is an active, an active role, right? So I don't tell you the amount to give, but we do say that you should decide what to give. Decide what type of giver you want to be in life. Do you want to be a sporadic giver where you're like, oh, crap, the basket's coming. Uh, what do you got, honey? Oh, I got a 10. Okay, I'll throw that in there. And that's what you gave that week? That's not really deciding. That's kind of like sporadic faithfulness, <laughs> right? Oh, oh, crap, I got like 10 bucks. I'll give that. I say when you, or if you're married, if you're single, like if you're married, sit down with your spouse and say, look at your budget, you know, have some sort of rough idea of how much you make and how much you spend, and decide in your heart how much to give, and make a decision, and be an intentional, that makes you're an intentional giver, you're not just giving uh, willy-nilly, or sporadically, or heaven forbid you're not giving anything, and I was saying, if you look at your own finances and realize you haven't given anything, that should be a red flag between you and the Lord. Again, I don't look at that. I don't look at like, hey, you know, Dave has got, given nothing. I'm going to go talk to him. I don't look at those things. That's between you and the Lord to see if you give nothing, then make a decision today how much you would give or how much to give. Every dollar that God brings your way, have a plan to be faithful with it. Have a plan. 
And I encourage you the same way somebody encouraged me. Don't have a narrow view of God's providence, of like, my paycheck from work is the only way God provides for me. Because if you want to see God provide in new ways, treat everything like from the hand of God. Amen? Somebody brings by money out of nowhere, that's God. That's the hand of God. You know, get an inheritance, that's the hand of God directing that towards you. And how are you going to be faithful with what you get? And then the last part of verse 7 is, God speaks to the heart behind giving. You should be happy when you give. If you're not happy when you're giving, I encourage you, don't give until you get your heart in the right place in giving. If you feel like I be, I'm being manipulative right now, you know, talk to me. I'm not trying to be manipulative. So if you, if you can't give happily, don't give. Because God wants you to be joyful. It should be exciting. I get excited when we see how much we gave for the year. I just, it, it, you, that's what, God loves a cheerful giver. God's going to take care of you. And we should never give out of anger because somebody made us or, ugh, we should give because we're happy to give. And so this next verse he talks more that when you give financially, God will take care of you. In verse 8, it says this. And God is able to bless you. What's the word? Okay. God is able to bless you. Okay. So that in all things at all times, having all that you... You notice it doesn't say want, and you guys barely said that. You're like, need, uh, Like... You guys know there's a difference between need and wants in life, right? Like, there's a pretty big difference, right? There's a lot I want, but you know how much we actually need? You know how much I need to live and be a productive citizen? <laughs> Food, water, clothing, and a roof over my head. If I have those four things, God has supplied all my needs. You know how many days in my entire life I didn't have food and I didn't have money to buy food and the cupboards weren't full and I had nothing to eat? Zero. Now some of you might have been in that boat at some point in your life where you had zero to eat. But most of us in America don't have that problem. Our problem is we want that lake house. We want a boat. We want that side-by-side. -side. We want a brand new car that costs $60,000. Like, we want these things. We want these things. And God's like, listen, I'll supply all your needs to be a fully functioning, content citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Food, water, shelter, clothing, I got you. You know, when Jesus said, look at the lilies of the field and see how beautifully they're dressed, I dress them. I'll dress you. Look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. I make sure they have enough worms every day. I'm going to take care of you. God says that. I'll take care of your needs. And so God will take care of you in your generosity. And if you're generous, God will make sure that your needs are met. And look at this. I'm going to read the second part of verse 8, and I think we have the second one. Can you see the next slide, please? Okay. Um, okay, this is the ESV version. So the first version was NIV. This is the ESV. So I like to look at the different versions. It says this. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is a passage, if you're reading God's word, you might just like skim over really quick. Um, but it's cool if you're really doing a study, if you're really studying God's word, to like look at the meanings behind the words. Um, and this sufficiency is an important word. It's a Greek word, um, autoukia, autobiakia, maybe. Um, 
No, I'm just kidding. You guys like that mess up word. Autokia, it's, it's translated contentment. Everybody say contentment on three. One, two, three. Contentment. I want to say this. Contentment is the one thing. If you're, like, worried about the future, worried about money, worried about finances, the one thing you should ask for is contentment. Not more money. Ask for contentment. Contentment means that I am happy right where I am right now. I'm not looking towards the future saying, hey, I wish I had this. I wish I had an extra bathroom in my house. I wish I had more clothes. I wish I had more spending money. I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I wish my car was a little bit nicer. I wish my truck didn't have rust on it. That's like being in want and not living out of contentment. And if you can find a way to be content where God has you in life right now without hoping and wishing for the future, you'll be the happiest person in the world. Think about that. And he's saying this, if you give and you're generous, my grace will abound to you so that you'll have all contentment. And that contentment will be on you and you're happy with where you're at. Happy with the mileage on my car. Happy with my house. Happy with everything. Like, I'm just happy. I'm good. I don't need to strive for more. I don't need to go into debt for more and go into debt for more. I'm cool with where I'm at. I don't need a tent, like a five-bedroom house. I'm cool with a three-bedroom house. You know what I mean? Like, that's finding out in your heart how you can get to a place of contentment. And God gives us contentment, so ask him. And so that's why I thought it was so important to highlight that verse. You're happy with what God has given you right now. You're not looking forward to some future and trying to go into debt to get it. Contentment's hard to find. It's hard to find in the world. Contentment is the opposite of greed. Greed says, I want more, 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 more. Contentment's like, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm happy where I'm at. Thank you, God. I have food. I have food. I have clothing. I have a roof over my head. I'm good. Amen? Like, I'm cool. But if, if we're always searching for more and always discontent, we're going to be unhappy. We're going to be unhappy. So it said, God will bless you in that way. That's the biggest blessing of all. And so verse 9 and 10 and 11 is the last verse we'll read. It says this. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gift to the poor. Remember, they're using the analogy of seed. And so they have freely scattered their gift to the poor, meaning they were generous, and they were generous, and they were scattering. They weren't holding on. Um, they freely scattered their gift to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is a very powerful verse. It's saying that as you guys freely scatter your gifts to the poor, to the people who need it, to God's work in the church, um, he who supplies the seed to the sower, who's the he there? Who's the he? God. He is the, the God who supplies the seed to the sower. So he's saying, as you're sowing the seed, God is the one who makes sure that your seed bag is full. He's making sure that you have enough to sow. And he'll supply you. Don't ever be worried about going broke because you're giving too much. Because the title of the sermon is, you can't outgive God. Never can. 
Test him in that. If you're worried about that, get a stinking journal off the J-Rock and test God in that and say, you know what, I'm going to start giving and I'm going to see how God takes care of me. Can't outgive God. God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. He supplies us with seed, not so that we can store it in a safe and let it rot, but so we could generally give it to others. There's parables about this, about the guy with too many barns. Remember that? God blesses us so we can bless others. Not that we could hoard. God doesn't want us to be hoarders. And then when we die, we die with a billion dollars. Like, he doesn't want that. He wants to be generous with what we have and, and, and generous to others. And that's why he keeps blessing us so we can bless others. So, my encouragement to you is this. I'll have two questions for you. Ask this question. In your heart, ask this question, what type of giver was God? What type of giver was God? Generous, cheerful, sacrificial. Like, God is encouraging these people in Corinth to give a little bit of money. And God's saying, I gave my child to be separated from my child up in heaven for 33 years to come down on earth to be beaten, flogged, crucified for your sins. And I'm asking my church to give some money. And he's saying, don't live tight-fisted. And so we have to figure out what type of giver God was. He was an amazing abundance giver, above and beyond. We can never give as much as God gave. And then ask the second question, what type of giver do I want to be? What type of giver do I want to be? Guys, I've heard stories of people being amazing givers far beyond what I could even imagine. People that not give 10%, not give 20%, but give like 30% away to the Lord every year because they've trusted the Lord and they've been doing that as their normal operating procedure in life. Saying like, I want to be generous. Can't take it with me. What am I going to do with it? And so ask, what type of giver do I want to be? God will take care of you. And the thought is this. That through all of this, God wants us to live open-handed. What open-handed means, I freely give, I freely give as it comes. And if you live open-handed, God will make sure your hands are always full. That's what this means. If you live open-handed, God will make sure your hands are always full so you can continually be generous. If you live closed-handed and closed-fisted, God can't put anything in those hands right? Because you're holding on so tightly. It's closed. He's going to direct his funds to other believers in other ways that are generous. I, be I wholeheartedly believe this. God wants us to get our giving right and get our hearts right with giving because if we could break the power of money in our lives, we could break the power of anything. Depression, anxiety, worry, you know, bitterness, resentment. If we could break the power of money, there's nothing we can't break the power of. And so God's telling his church, trust me. Trust me that I'm the one who provides seeds. I'm the one who provides the money. And so ask yourself, what type of giver was God? And what type of giver do I want to be? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And talking about money is always kind of icky at times, God. But you want your church to um, be faithful. You want the church to trust you, God, as the great provider. God, you want us to realize that even if we worked, you give us the ability to work. You give us the health to work. 
the mobility to work. Every dollar we get, whether it's stimulus, whether it's tax return, whether it's our income, whether it's a gift from Nana, like you want us to realize that's all from your hand. And so God, help us be generous with what you've brought us. And most of all, Lord, in our giving, make us content with what we have. Not striving and, 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 and wanting more all the time, but just be restful in what you've blessed us with. So we can look around at where you have us, God, and say, I'm happy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. So God, we thank you. You're the ultimate provider. You've always taken care of me and my family. I know you've taken care of so many of our partners and their families. And God, we just love you and we trust you. And help us get our mind off of money for the most part and get our mind on the lost. The people that are dying very soon and not going to have and not know where they're going. Help us bring the gospel to them and help us focus on building up your kingdom and keep our treasures there. So God, we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you.